Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Mark chapter 4, starting with verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. Everyone say, storm. There arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full, or it was filling up. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus, your presence and your spirit is mighty in this house today, in this house of faith this house of restoration, this house of revelation. God, we are inviting you to continue to have your will and have your way. Lord, your word, your anointed word, hmm, Jesus, let it shine upon our hearts. Let it show us and teach us and lead us and guide us. Let it transform us. Let let it renew us, Jesus. Let it transform us through the renewing of our mind as we conform to your word, Jesus. Ah, As we conform to your spirit. Lord, sweep over us tonight, Jesus. Have your will and have your way. And bless your people. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Last time I spoke, we talked about... Does anyone remember what we talked about two Wednesdays ago? We talked about... Famines, right? And in a time of famine, it's a time to do what? Dig. Dig roots. Dig deeper. Get deeper into the Word. Get deeper into the Spirit. Find ourselves between what? The altar and the well. And ultimately, tonight we're going to talk, although it will seem almost brief, but we're going to talk about the storm. You know, we go through things in life, we go through times, we go through seasons in life. And seasons, we've all perhaps been there, we've gone through seasons of famine. Uh, Perhaps we go through seasons uh, of desert places, wildernesses, wilderness times and wilderness treks. And tonight I'm going to show us a little bit about when we experience a storm. Now when you think about a storm, storms don't typically last very long. Uh, The longest storm recorded in the Bible was probably somewhere around 14 days. We're not going to go to that storm today because that that one, there was a whole lot more depth to it and and perhaps another time we'll talk about that one. But typically storms don't last that long. And here in our opening passage we see the disciples in a boat with Jesus and they encounter a storm. If we flip next to Mark chapter 6, just a page or two further, Mark chapter 6 and verse 38. 
we'll see another account of a storm. And he, that being Jesus, saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And we'll get to the storm in a second, but we're going to start out just prior to the storm. This is where Jesus is about to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go, see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. All right, so Jesus has them sit down in groups upon the grass. In verse 40, and they sat down in ranks of hundreds and by fifties. Now, the reason why I elected to, to go and start this next boating experience right here is because what we see is that Jesus is about to do a mighty miracle. With just a few loaves and fishes, he's about to feed five thousand men plus women and children that must have been an awesome thing to see I can only imagine but I have to point out the first thing that Jesus did was he brought order and if you haven't heard me say it before it's true because we see it in the opening pages of the Bible that before the miraculous what always will proceed the miraculous is order. God puts things in order. And so although we started on a boat in a storm, we're going to end up going backwards and see some order put in motion by God. And so we see that even right here. He puts them in ranks. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments of the fishes. 12 baskets full of fragments. I don't have time to go here, but I find this very tragic. The reason why there was fragments left was because not everybody came and got everything they could get. I get nervous that we leave too many huh, blessings at the altar. I believe that's what happened here. Twelve bagments, baskets of fragments. Verse 44, and they did... And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Now this is an entirely different account. This is different than the last time that they found themselves in a boat in the middle of a storm. And although we're in the synoptic Gospels, and we're going to, like I mentioned, we're going to look at two different stories. We're going to look at stories. Two different historical events that happened. These are different instances. He constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. 
The disciples go out in a boat alone. Jesus goes up to a mountain alone. And when even was come and the ship was in the midst of the sea, he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling and rowing in verse 48, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately, and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. I got to point out right here. When they noticed Jesus, he immediately responded to them. I have to point out that he would have, for some reason, just walked right on by. But in the very moment, this is where I say, or I add, and the behold, in the very moment that they were distracted from the distraction of the storm, the very moment that the waves that are contrary, the wind that's contrary to them, the very moment that they see Jesus instead of the storm, is the very moment Jesus manifests himself. The very moment that Jesus responds. It may seem very simple, but when we're in a storm, (laughs) when we're in the middle of a storm, the very moment that we set aside the distraction of the storm is the very moment that God starts to respond. Amen. The storm may still be going on, and it is. But Jesus is right there. He says, behold, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He is the single set of footprints in the sand that's carrying us through that time. He's right there. Amen. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Right here for just a second, we got to flip. Flip to Matthew chapter 14. And this is... This is why we need to overlay the Gospels. You get more detail when you overlay the Gospels. We're going to go to the same happening. We're going to go to the same scenario in chapter 14, starting with verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. This is the same story. And it's here that we see in verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And here, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Can you imagine? Just think of it. 
There you are in the middle of the storm. And for just a brief moment, you're distracted. And, and at first you're afraid because you see someone walking across the lake. And it's a large lake. It is a storm that is so contrary, they were not able to row against it. They were not able to make uh, any progress to where they were trying to go, where they were told to go, where they were instructed to go. And all of a sudden you look out, your strength is leaving you, your faith is gone, you're already afraid because of the storm you're in. And then you see it. A spirit. Is it a spirit? Is it a man? Is it a ghost? And then the response. The voice you know. The, oh, the voice you're oh so familiar with. It is I. Your master, your savior, your teacher, your rabbi. It is I. Your eyes focus. They adjust. Ha, ah, you recognize it's the one. It's your savior. It's Jesus Christ. It's the one you're familiar with in your covenant relationship. In the middle of the storm, you sense him, you feel him, you know him. Ah, there you are. Why? Because you were distracted from the distraction, but for a moment. And that's all it took. Ah. It's all it takes. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Can you imagine you hearing that voice? Okay, you're in the middle of a storm, but step out of the boat. <laughs> come towards me. I'm beckoning you. Come. Right in the middle of the storm. Would you go? Would you step out? Peter did, and he's walking on water. He's walking on water in the middle of the storm. But, verse 30, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried, saying, Lord, save me. And this is where we pause. But for a moment. Something proceeded, both of these events. This is the second event of the two. This is the second time they find themselves the disciples in a boat at Jesus' instruction, doing what they were told, huh, living the lives they were supposed to live, following the master, living for God. And so it's here that I have to turn our attention to get some clarity and to get some order. If you'll turn back to the book of Mark, chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him. This is before the first incident. This is before the first time that he went with the disciples into the boat and fell asleep. He began to teach, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them, in his doctrine or his teachings. And I will point out to you 
what I'm about to tell you, what we are about to read in the Word of God, the very words of God, these are the doctrines and the teachings of God Almighty. This is truth. This is fact. We can apply this to our lives. If we will conform to this word, we will see the results. Amen. If we will plant these seeds in our hearts, and if our hearts are fertile soil, it will yield. It has no choice but to yield. We may not understand how, we may not understand when, but if we're watching and we're ready and we're waiting and anticipating, it will come to be. Period. End of story. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost and I feel faith. The teaching and the doctrine of God. Verse 3, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it. And I'll just point out, we won't turn there, but if you did turn to Luke chapter 8 and verse 5, we would also get the description that when the seed was tossed on the wayside or on the path, it was trodden under the feet. Yeah, i got to point that out, and I'll come back to it. And some fell on stony ground, in verse 5, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it hath no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that you're already thinking about what I taught or preached about last time. Verse 7, and some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield, yield fruit that sprung up and increased and brought 40, some 30, some 60, or brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. And I will mention, if we overlay this with the other Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, it will say some 30-fold and some 60-fold and some 100-fold. That's 100 times. It's not 100%. It's 100 times is what the fertile soil brought forth. Now, I want to explain something here. This isn't just for the new believer. This isn't just for the unsaved. This isn't just for those who uh, are just for the first time hearing of the gospel and have a choice of whether or, or not to, to conform to the word of God, to the plan of God and the will of God. It's also for those of us who are living life and still breathing. This applies to all of us. The fertile soil of the heart. Amen. And this is where I say three things. And perhaps you'll hear me say this often. We need to get saved. But it doesn't stop there. We need to stay saved. This isn't a once saved, always saved thing. The Bible is very clear on that. We've got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to stay saved. So let us get saved, stay saved, and dare I say, save someone else. If you're taking notes, please write that down. This is our calling. 
This is our commission. Amen. This is our charge. This is our responsibility. You are empowered to do this. You are empowered to get saved. You are empowered and equipped to stay saved. And you are empowered, equipped, and ready to save someone else. Hmm. Verse 9, and he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Do you have an ear to hear the word of the Lord tonight? Do you have a heart to receive? These are words, these are eternal words. These are words that will save, heal, and deliver. It's true. It's the power of the gospel to save. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parables. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom. So he's talking to his inner circle of people right here. His disciples. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Remember, he had the 12, he had another 70. Jesus had many disciples. Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Now we have the parables, but I'll remind you, In real time when this was happening, they didn't have the Gospels to read. They did not have the Epistles to read. They most certainly didn't have the book of Revelations and most certainly the book of John, which was the last book written, in case you didn't know that. They only had the Old Testament and the words and teachings of the Master, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But you and I, we have the luxury of having the Word of God. We can go from the beginning to the end. We can overlay the Gospels. We're not stuck being spoken to just in parables through teaching and explanation. The parables are explained and it brings understanding. Amen? Verse 12. That seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. That's quoting Old Old Testament scripture right there. Matthew 5.15 speaks of it in a little bit more depth. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. But in Matthew 13 and 15, it, it speaks of to see, to hear, and to understand, to be converted and to be healed is all part of the process. So if you have an eye to see, if you have a heart to receive, There's healing in these very words. There's healing in this very order right here. What will it heal? It'll heal the mind that needs to be transformed. It'll heal the mind that is stuck in the natural realm that says, I have to live by what I see, smell, touch, taste. God's not limited to that. When it, what happens through the crossover, what's God reaching from eternity into the natural realm through the principles of God that he lays out, through the teachings of God. It's a true thing. It's a real thing. More real huh, than even what we smell, touch, and we sense. lest at any time they should be converted and their sin sin should be forgiven them. It's talking about 
belief and faith. Simple belief and faith. It starts by believing that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. God is and will reward those who seek him. Amen. It's part of the substance of faith. Verse 13, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? He goes on to explain the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils. The sower soweth the word. It's the word of God. God's word is being sown right now. I'm throwing seed out right now. What kind of soil is it going to fall into? What kind of soil are you going to be? The choice is yours. And as you take that, the word of God and you take that seed and you cast that seed, it's going to fall upon certain places. It's going to fall on the wayside. Some of it's going to fall on the stony soil. Some of it's going to fall among thorns. Some of it's going to fall among fertile soil. Not all of it's going to yield at the end. Some of it will spring up quickly and fade away just as fast. Some of it's going to be plucked away by the devil, referred to as the birds here. Some of it's going to be trampled on, trampled on underfoot. Huh. How discouraging. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that it didn't give the, first so, the good soil first. Because this could be discouraging. And perhaps you've been discouraged. Perhaps you've tried before. Perhaps you've cast a little bit of seed. But I got to tell you, just keep casting the seed. Just keep casting the seed. Because if there's one thing I know, it's that soul work is slow work. And it's all right. God is doing a work. Ah. Keep casting seed. Keep receiving. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, huh, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And I'll just tie in when we overlay the gospel, when it's trodden underfoot, I have to think, I have to realize. Where the seed's planted, you don't need to be moving around and stepping all over the seed. It's a good time to just go ahead and take deep roots, work the soil a little bit. Something was trodden, something was moving too much, something was wandering and looking for something different. Ah, that's good seed, but you know what, that's not the seed for me. I'm going to look for something else. Meanwhile, the right seed, the word of God, the true unadulterated word of God is being trampled under. There's all kinds of teachings out there, all kinds of religions. The word of God. Hmm. From cover to cover. The truth. Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they, likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and, and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. And this is where I reminded us, yes, there's times when we've got to dig deep and work that soil and keep digging and digging a well. Because the sun's going to come and there's going to be dry times. If you've been serving God for any amount of time, you'll realize there's times when you just hit a dry spell. 
you just don't quite feel God like you once did, it's okay. It's the time to dig deeper. Because once again, it may not be a storm, it may feel like a famine, but it's a time if you dig, you will find God. Just like in the middle of the storm, as soon as they recognized and saw and were distracted from the storm, if we'll get distracted from the famine and dig deeper roots, that sun can scorch all it wants to, but you're digging down deep and you're finding water. And I promise you, the Spirit of God's going to come rushing in and overwhelm and overtake the soul yet once again and take you to deeper depths of relationship. Ah. It don't matter which soil. Even if you examine yourself right now what soil you are, you have a choice and free will. And you, God would, it all would come on repentance. You can choose and you can work that soil. When affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And I got to just point this out. And I'm going to hit us a little bit of where we're going with the storms. The storms are going to show us something. And it won't feel good. Because instruction doesn't always feel good. I, I believe that we human beings are much like sheep. And that, I really do believe it. And that's why the shepherd is so prominent in the Bible. And I do believe that we do want to be led. But I also know Hmm. that we have this inerrant resisting to it at the same time. That nature that does not want to die. So for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, Entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. We get distracted with a great many things. Sometimes we get distracted by the famine. Sometimes we get distracted by the storms. Sometimes we just get distracted with life. I remember as a younger man, how many times I felt it, how many times I said it. I'll get serious. <laughs> I'll get serious well, maybe once I'm married. I'll get serious. I'll really get serious about God. Perhaps, you know, when I, when I get that house, I'll have some responsibilities. I'll have to get serious about God then. <laughs> Sitting on, laying on the, the creeper on the floor of the garage. Miranda come out with that, that first test result. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, Rob. You're going to be a dad. Perhaps now I'll get serious about God. <laughs> Distracted. Distracted. Until I notice Jesus. Amidst all everything else. Until I heard that voice. Until I had that fresh encounter. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. 
Before they ever got into the boat, before they ever encountered the storm, Jesus had just prior to that started teaching about soils. He followed teaching the soils by, and, and I get this, most men who get up and preach, they'll preach about one of these par uh, parables. I have a problem. <laughs> they all connect. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's an order to it all. There's a bigger picture. And I can't always just look at all of this through a microscopic view. I have to step back and look at it from the telescopic view at some point in time. And so we see Jesus lay down the soils and the seeds. And then in verse 21, he said unto them, he, he switches to the candle switch, or the candlestick. Is a candle brought to, bought, or brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick, for there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested or revealed. Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad or to light. You've got to understand, the word of God will bring things to light. The word of God will bring things and reveal them. Right? I think the ladies can definitely say amen. When Sister Moran is teaching on Saturday mornings, getting into the depth of the word, it, oh, it, 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 it breathes a breath of life, but at the same time, it reveals something about us. And guess what? God's work... His sanctification process, it's still in motion. It's still progressing. And God's still, yes, working on me to make me what I ought to be. Think of it. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. And yet he's still working on you and he's still working on me. And so the light of the word is going to reveal some things, and it might not feel good. Matter of fact, going back, it could cause offense like we just read of the soils. This is why we need to realize God is still doing a work, and it may not feel good, but there's still some hard issues here. I'm still going through life. You're still going through life. You're not quite where God huh. He's taken you yet. Otherwise, he would have taken you home. You still have a work to do, and he's still doing a work in you. This is a good thing. This is a real good thing. Ah. Oh, Jesus. Give us an ear to hear. Give us a heart to receive. Right here, right now. Ah. Let your will be done, Jesus. Nothing less. Nothing lacking. Manifest, revealed, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad or to light. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear, that what measure ye meet or measure with, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Verse 25 is referring to another par parable. It's the parable of the, the talents. When five talents were given to one servant, three to another, and one to the third, right? The one with five went on and took those talents 
and produced five more. The one with the three went on and produced three more. And the one with one, in one place the word says that he hid it in the earth, and in another place it says he hid it in a napkin. So I just guess he put it in a napkin and buried it in the earth. Right? You've got to overlay the Gospels. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not, and if you have a note in your Bible, or if you have a study Bible, it will give you a link to that scripture. So it's not just Pastor Rob making this up. And he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. Why is right here in the middle of this, Jesus is saying, listen, I have equipped you and empowered you. You may not feel like you're in the right place, and that's fine because my word, God's saying my word is still revealing things to you because I'm still doing a work in you. But regardless, you are saved, you're going to stay saved, and you must go ahead and cast that seed and save someone else. You'll never be ready to do it. You'll never have everything just right. You'll never have all the ducks in order. You'll never have the, well, i got to have the wife, the house, the, the home, the children. No. God wants to use you now. God has empowered you now. Amen. Hmm. Don't know where that pen came from. Verse 26, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Let me elaborate. So we cast some seed. We cast some seed. Brother Rob was talking about casting some seed. You know what? I may not feel adequate, but I'm going to cast some seed. God's blessed me with the gift of eternal life. I'm going to share it with someone else. I'm casting seed. Uh, my, my life may still need some sanctification. I still got some, uh, some things I'm, I'm reaping from some things I've sowed, but I'm going to start sowing the right things, continuing to sow the right things, and I'm going to reap the right things soon enough. I'm going to cast some seed. Just start doing the right things. Start casting some seed. And, and that seed's cast and it's planted. And let me, let me go ahead and emphasize, not add to Scripture. And so the sower goes out day and night. Night and day, looking, waiting, hoping. I've been casting the seed. Is it starting to grow yet? Day and night, night and day. And all of a sudden, a little blade shoots up. Just a blade. He comes out diligently the next night, the next day. Day after day after day. That blade turns into a little bit of a plant, and ultimately it turns into a whole ear of corn. But it takes time. Why? Because soul work is slow work. Your soul work is slow work. He's still working on you, but as you're casting seed, it's just going to take some effort and some time. Amen. The beautiful thing is, the sower doesn't need to know how it works. The Spirit does. God knows who's hungry. God knows who's going to respond. It's just our, our responsibility to give everyone the opportunity. Amen. Right here, right in the middle. He knoweth how, verse 28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn of the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he put it in the sickle because the harvest is come. 
Can I tell you, if you didn't go out day after day, huh, perhaps week after week, maybe even year after year, in faith knowing that God's principle is saying keep casting the seed. Oh, it might have fallen. Some of that might have fallen on, on the wayside or, or the way and been trampled under. Some of it may have uh, fallen on the stony soil. Oh, that might have uh, looked promising and it, it started sprouting up among the thorns and then was choked out. But God knows there's some fertile soil. So you keep casting diligently. Diligently, the slow work of soul work, it's intentional. It's diligent work. And at this point in time, it becomes sacrificial. Huh. Because the kind of fruit we're talking about, when it does sprout up, and you have the aha moment in that Bible study when you know in the spirit you said the right thing that clicked and you could just feel in the spirit that that young man started, okay, I'm starting to get it. I'm starting to feel some faith. I'm starting to believe that there is a God. I'm starting to believe that he can move in my life. I'm starting to see it take place in my home now. I'm starting to see it as, I'm, as you've been teaching me week after week after week. Boom, you move in. You're ready. Why? Because of God's order. You've had plenty of times that you've taught Bible study after Bible study and yielded no fruit. <sighs> but then you get that one. And like I taught the men in Bible study, one equals two, and in God's math equals a multitude. God Almighty reached down to the inner circle of 12 men and he turned the world upside down with 12 men. It's my prayer, God. Just let me mentor 12 solid men. I pray it all the time. Oh, I can reach and speak to a great many more. Oh, but I've got to have those disciples. I've got to have those who are going to turn around and then start teaching those Bible studies because that's where addition becomes multiplication. It might have taken me years, but oh my God, I'm getting to see it happen. Because you're diligent and you're intentional. And yes, you sacrifice to the point where it hurt. Because we're talking about souls. The order. It's right here as I begin to close. And he said, verse 30. Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with the what comparison shall we compare it? Almost wrapping up the teaching right before they get in the boat, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And I think I mentioned it before, but the mustard seed, when it, when it takes root, when it, when, it, when it starts to flourish, it takes over the territory. So why at this point, after Jesus has talked about the, so, the soil and about the seed of their own hearts and about others, and then he goes on to talk about that light, the light of the word of God revealing within us and revealing in others. Why is it now he talks about faith? Hmm. 
It's because when faith is exercised, it takes over. When faith is exercised, it takes over. It's not just a sermon. It's not just words perhaps read in a daily reading of the Bible. It's realizing that it's a principle of God that I can walk in and I can live in. And if I don't get distracted with what's going on around me in life, if I don't get distracted, and if you don't get distracted with with the cares of the world, everyday life, if you don't get distracted when you're in the storm or in the famine, when you don't get distracted uh, when you're in in, in the times of want, and when you realize, "Ah, it's right here, God, you've always been here. Your word is here. It's a principle of yours. And when you apply it in your life, hmm, fruit, fruit is the result. So Jesus is wrapping up the teaching by saying, exercise your faith. Do something with your faith. We're going to have an altar call. Perhaps you'll respond in faith, but tomorrow, think of it in faith. The next day, think of it in faith. <sighs> and with many other, with many such parables, spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without the parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And we get back to our opening scripture. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Why? Because there was something waiting for them. So, the landing gear is coming down. Mark chapter 4, verse 39 and 40. On pause, if you will. And he arose and rebuked the wind. This is the time he was in the boat. He rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Verse 40, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? I've just explained it all to you. And you've walked away from it all. You became distracted with everything else. Where is your faith? I am Right here. If we turn to Matthew 14, verse 30 and 31. But when he saw the wind boisterous, Peter, he's out on the water. He was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And I'll say, on pause. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? But he had a little. (laughs) He got out of the boat. He did something with it. And here's what we got to understand. The storm It doesn't build you. It doesn't increase you. What the storm does is it reveals you. Storms reveal things. And if we'll let the storms reveal us, let the light of God shine upon our hearts, 
For them, it was a lack of faith. So when you're going through a storm, realize it's something entirely different. But it's a time and a place where God's probably trying to expose something in you. And so it's the perfect time in a storm to say, God, I see you. All I see is a storm. But God, I know it's you. So what is it that you're trying to show me? I'm in an uncomfortable place, a tight space perhaps. But right here, right now, what are you trying to reveal? And the beautiful thing is, the story doesn't end there. In both scenarios. Mark chapter 5, following chapter 4. The first incident is followed. And they came over to the other side of the sea onto the country of the uh, Gadarenes. To meet who and what? A man called Legion. said it before, I'll say it again. Principalities move municipalities. There is spiritual warfare going on all the time. There's something on the other side of the storm that if you'll let it reveal you, God has got something he's going to accomplish, a plan and a purpose. And there's some resistance coming your way. And if you don't look past the storm and cry out to Jesus and say, what is it? You may just miss it. Because there was a man with over a thousand demons that couldn't hold him back as soon as Jesus stepped on that shore. Got to lop some off because the runway's right there. Mark chapter 6 follows the second incident or incident. Mark chapter 6 verse 53 And when they had passed over, this is the second time. Peter's now back in the boat. Jesus is back in the boat. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And like I said, something's waiting for you on the other side. Somebody is waiting for you on the other side. And when they were come out of the ship, do I have anyone playing tonight? If you would... Please. And when they were coming out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick. Ah, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he, he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Ah. The garment is very significant. The garment represented their prayer shawl, their talit. The border of their garments, you can refer to them as the fringes, the tassels that were on the ends of their prayer shawls. These were completely important to the Jewish men. It represented everything about their covenant relationship with Yahweh. These are so important to the Jewish men that I'll remind you what happened to the first king Saul when he reached 
for the prophet Samuel and he grabbed a hold of his garment. It was his tallit that he tore and ripped. It was the fringes that he ripped off. It wasn't of God that the prophet turned to him and said, Saul, today the kingdom is rent from you. It was a man speaking prophetically because he had ripped oh, the heart of the man of God off of his prayer shawl. They would wrap their hands around those strings of those tassels. It was those very tassels that they would hold on to and they would pray and they would pray through the storms and they would pray through the times of famine. It, was, it represented everything to them with their relationship with God. It represented all of their past victories. Every time God had been faithful, it was saturated in the tears of their prayer shawl. And so on the other side of the storm, the people realizing if I could just touch the depth of that man, ah, the depth of that spirit. And this is where I'll ask you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. And verse 1, a prayer we ought to always have on our mind and on our heart because it's true for each and every one of us. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. He has anointed you to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison to them that are bound. There's not a person in here that this does not apply to. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. That's not the way grace works. If you've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you're on your way to heaven, you've been saved, you're, you're staying saved, you can save someone else. To bind up the broken heart, to proclaim the liberty of the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and here you have it, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You may not have a physical prayer shawl, but if you're born again, if you've ever prayed, if you've ever walked through anything, and I love the visual that Brother East did last week with, with the coffin. I would ask you right now to close your eyes and realize every time you pray, every time you walk through a trial, every time you walk through a storm and you come out on the other side victorious because God loves you. There's depth to your walk with God. There's depth to your relationship with God. And you are more than equipped. Ah, you have the words to save someone. And on the other side of your storm, there's fertile soil waiting. Your testimony, if you'll stand, ah, is powerful. The word of God is powerful. Words that will save, ah, heal, deliver. Ah, oh, Jesus. We talked about the storm. 
I know we're all at different places, but these things come so often upon us. Help us, Jesus, to be distracted from the distraction and to look and see you, to dig and see you, to get on our knees and feel you, Jesus. Remind us, God, in that moment, in that place, there's something on the horizon. There's something just on the other side. And if we will just take that little bit of faith and exercise that little faith, remind us, Jesus, that it's the power of your word that we're speaking of tonight. Ah, don't take a man of God. It doesn't take a licensed minister. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.